guys. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm your host, the Trey Tyndall, aka the Superflex Guru. Happy Mother's Day to everybody out there. Um, I'm here with my co-host, Jacob Teets. Um, how's it going, Jake? I was going pretty good, you know, just living life, celebrating Mother's Day with my mom, cleaning the house and stuff. There's nothing better than, you know, <laughs> celebrating the moms out there. Today's their days. Oh, yeah. And we're also here with our guest special host, Blair and Robert. They're new uh, writers for our website. Uh, Robert, uh, is anything special going on in your Mother's Day today? Well, I worked earlier, came home, and decided to cook uh, dinner for my fiance's mother, who I'm living with now. So, uh, yeah, it worked out pretty well for her. She came home and uh, enjoyed the meatloaf. Oh, meatloaf. Dang, dude, that actually sounds pretty good. Yeah, good. <laughs> now, my Blair. Dad, yeah, my my mom lives out of town, so I did get uh, to give her a call and my uh, gave my grandma a call. It was nice to get to talk to them. Uh, yeah, happy Mother's Day to all the great moms out there. Yeah, but I was say I didn't know if there was any, you know, special, you know, Canadian Mother's Day things you guys do up there at all or anything, you know? Not especially. It's probably just the same as you guys, but a little bit colder. <laughs> <laughs> I was say yeah, obviously you can tell it is pretty nice where I live. Um, Jake, what is it outside? Probably like 70, 75 out there? Yeah, I'd probably say 70, high 60, somewhere in there. Yeah, for sure. Hey, I'll take that. Um, you know, usually in Kansas, uh, it's... 80 one day and then 30 and snowy the next and then you get hit with a tornado the next day so we'll take what we can get here you know um but yes i wanted to thank all the mothers out there thank you guys for you know giving us the opportunity to talk about fantasy first and foremost and uh you know taking care of us and because i know i was a crazy kid growing up so i want to thank my mom especially for you know being patient with me i'm sorry (laughs) But um, yeah, but we've we we've been busy the past couple of days here at the Fantasy Football Forecast. We just released our rankings last week, or actually yesterday, and that was uh, a big step for us. We all updated our rankings. There was a few surprises here and there, uh, and that's going to be our main point of this episode. We're going to be going over our dynasty differences, um, but first we're going to be going over. The biggest thing that happened in the NFL last week, which was the schedule release, um, we all knew what teams we were going to play, but we didn't know when we were going to play them or when our bye week was and stuff like that. Um, so it was pretty big to know which teams we were going to be playing in the fantasy playoffs because that's pretty much what this is all about, guys, right? About winning the money in the fantasy playoffs and you know becoming that champion. Exactly. So we're uh, so we're gonna be gonna go over the key, the key teams that have great matchups weeks 14, 15, 16 during the fantasy playoffs. There is a lot of good teams who have good matchups, but we picked the best ones. And there's a lot of good players on those teams, so that's something to look forward to in the episode. Um, but first off, we're gonna be giving our favorite teams predictions. Uh, I am a Las Vegas Raiders fan. Jake, you're a Chiefs fan, so. You know, we're kind of rivals here. I really <laughs> don't like your team. You've broke my heart year after year. Uh, so what's your prediction with the Chiefs in 2020? I, I mean, as high as I still am from that Super Bowl win, I want to say 16-0, and 0, but I got I got to be realistic. <laughs> uh, we're playing the AFC East and NFC South this year, so it's going to be definitely a, a struggle. I know that the AFC East has kind of unloaded some of their talent with Tom Brady going to a – uh, Tampa Bay, but we're playing NFC South, so we're still seeing Tom Brady no matter what. I, I see them going about 12 and 4. I think that where they have some players or some teams set up, I think that they have 
the benefit of kind of young players that they're playing like Justin Herbert early on possibly. So that kind of helps them get rolling. And as long as injuries don't happen, I think that they take 12 and four probably about at the worst. Yeah, probably about at the worst. Wouldn't that be nice to say? <laughs> uh, Robert, you are an Atlanta Falcons fan. I know that... You may oh, not, not be able... There we go. Oh, there we go. Oh, sure. <laughs> I, I know that you haven't probably enjoyed life much since 28-3. Uh, uh, why do you got to remind me of but traumatizing events? New like year, this? new Falcons. Isn't it what? Hashtag rise up. Isn't that you guys' hashtag? I'm not quite I sure. I was... I remember last year calling for Dan Quinn's head every single week. And... <laughs> Here I am. I have to try to be optimistic about the season with Dan Quinn as the head coach. Um, I have them going nine and seven. They did get a little worse, you know, cutting Mont Freeman. Yeah, you replace it with Todd Gurley, um, which I think is an upgrade. And then hopefully the offensive line can improve. Um, but losing Muhammad Sanu and Austin Hooper, I think it's little bit of a downgrade for the offense as a whole and then defense we did lose a lot of playmakers um desmond trufant was cut and he was i think nine years as a starter uh and we're really only replacing him with aj terrell and don't have a ton of depth behind that so it's a it's a tough area in the uh in the defense but i think we'll make a little bit more of improvements i'm excited to have dante fowler on the defense now uh, but um, nine and seven, slight upgrade from where we technically finished last year at seven and nine, and uh, hoping for more. I was say I was pretty surprised that you know Desmond Trufant got cut. I know we only go back to you know 2017, and he was considered one of the elite cornerbacks in the league, and then he got hurt. So yeah. um, it was kind of interesting to see that they cut him. Um, but nine and seven, I feel like that's probably about right. The NFC South is almost as crazy competitive, if not more than the AFC yeah, it's West. Gonna be so, um, especially with uh, Tom Brady moving to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Right. But uh, Blair, you are a Minnesota Vikings fan. Uh, so you've, you know, enjoyed the past couple of years. Mike Zimmer came in there and, you know, ever since then, he's pretty much commanded at least a winning record with the Minnesota yeah. Vikings. Yeah. Our, our team's been pretty, uh, a pretty well run organization overall, just uh haven't quite put everything together uh, j- just good enough to become one of those elite, elite teams, <laughs> aside from maybe our uh, NFC Championship game appearance there. Um, so yeah, I have a uh, it's eight and eight this year. Uh, it's anywhere between seven and nine and nine and seven, I think, is fair. Uh, I think even with um, losing a lot of the established name talent that we have, like our defense may not be as poor off as everyone might think, I, I think the biggest thing holding us back is going to be having just one established wide receiver on the offense. It's just really hard to win with only one go-to option in the in the passing game. Two, I guess, if you count Dalvin Cook, the running back. But you guys uh, know what I'm saying. It's a lot to be putting on uh, on Kirk Cousins, who I think it mainly is. He's a, he's a product of a supporting cast, right? He's uh, yeah. he's not a bad quarterback. He's not, a, but he's definitely not a great one either. And with a kind of mediocre supporting cast, I think a mediocre season is probably what I'd like to expect. And then, uh, but but with things on the upswing, with the team getting younger going forward. Yeah, and I'm kind of surprised that you are so 
de-optimistic about that, or I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but you're not I've optimistic. been a fan long enough, yeah. I've, I've, I've seen, <laughs> seen enough over the years to know that, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I didn't see us go to the NFC Championship game the year that uh, that we did. You, you Sometimes you just never know. Yeah. It all depends how, uh, how quick the young players on the team pick up the system. And th- this year especially, I think it might be especially challenging. I think the teams that have... Uh, have the most consistency the the least turnover are going to be in the best shape to to do well at the start of the season oh Blair looks like you sound like you should be on a tv broadcast right now. like have you ever thought about becoming like a commentator <laughs> oh back in the day I did definitely was even in university for it for a little bit just oh. ended up going a different direction but never say never right I was say uh <laughs> yeah. you sound like you could be the uh the next NBA you know commentator about that you sound like you could be that he's on fire <laughs> Kevin Harlan in the yeah, or, or you know a game town. show okay yeah, like, that's awesome you know, I, like I like that it. um but you know I think that's a pretty good prediction for the Vikings uh I think the whole NFC North as a whole is going to take a relative step back this year yeah um the, so I think it could be up for the taking maybe the Lions you know I, I agree no that's the that's the good news is I think uh, Green Bay is probably also looking at taking a bit of a step back as they're in the same boat as us with just having one established receiver for, for right now, at least. And uh, I, I don't see Chicago getting a lot better and Detroit may bounce back. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a division that nine and seven may take the cake this year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, but like I said, I'm a Las Vegas Raiders fan and our schedule's brutal at the beginning of the year. I mean, we start off with the Panthers. That's going to be an interesting game just because it's going to be a whole new offense for the Panthers just because they got Teddy Bridgewater in there. Joe Brady is going to be the offensive coordinator, um, a new coach in there with Matt Rule. So it's going to be interesting to see just how hard they play. I think they're going to be playing on fire to try to get their coach a first win. So that's always tough. And then week two, Saints, and then Patriots, Bills, Chiefs, Buccaneers, Browns. All those games are against very tough, very talented teams. And it's very tough for me to even see one win in there. I mean, maybe against the Patriots, but that's just because we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Maybe maybe Jared Stidham, if they do enter the season with Jared Stidham, I feel like we could get a win right there. And then our schedule gets a little bit easier. We got the Chargers and the Broncos, Chiefs. I mean, they're all divisional games, but, you know, I could see us winning those games just because the Chiefs are at home for us. So maybe we could, you know, as Jake said, we could pull off the upset. Um, but then after there, it gets pretty tough again. We got the Falcons, you know, Robert's team. I could see us competing, but I don't really see us. I don't really see us. Don't even it. worry about it. Especially <laughs> since it's at the Falcons. we got to travel all the way against the, you know, East Coast. That's why I'm glad that we kind of moved to Las Vegas. At least it's not as far west coast as what Oakland right. was. So, yeah. you know, traveling wise, it's not going to be as bad for us. And then we play against the Jets, Colts, Chargers, Dolphins, Broncos. I could see us winning all those games. So it's going to be interesting to see just how we finish the year. Um, I'm going to have us going nine and seven. Um, and that's probably aggressively nine and seven. Um, more conservative i could see us going six and ten or even worse <laughs> um it just honestly all depends on what Derek carr does if he's the quarterback of what he was in 2016 everyone keeps saying that but i mean that was four almost four years ago now yeah. i mean we, we can't keep saying that um we do got marcus mariota there as our backup he i don't know what i would rather have if it's marcus mariota or Derek carr i feel like for fantasy they're both mediocre they're not really gonna contribute really what we want them to do they're not really gonna 
upswing Josh Jacobs shares or upswing our Henry Ruck shares either way. But I'm going to say nine and seven is going to be the Raiders record. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, just what happens. So Jake, you said Chiefs 12 and four, Robert nine and seven for the Falcons. Blair, you said nine and seven or seven and nine. Uh, eight, eight and eight is where eight I'm going. Yeah. Ooh, okay. That's low. I know. That's what I was saying. Eight and eight <laughs> for the Vikings. I mean, he is a... It's the beauty I'm of being pessimistic. You're either yeah, pessimistic. Uh, happy or, yeah, you're either happy or uh, or you're right. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see what happens. Um, and then I, of course, have the Las Vegas Raiders going aggressively nine and seven. John Gruden. We'll see what happens. Um, but we're going to be moving on to our first segment of the show. It's going to be going over uh, the fantasy playoff heroes, players that we think that are going to be. Uh, booms for you, whether or not that's week 14, 15, or uh, 16. We think that during the fantasy playoffs, when weeks matters most, whenever it doesn't matter if you're the one seed, it doesn't matter if you're the last six seed, um, you need these players on your roster because they give you the best chance to win. Um, we're going to be bringing down the first team. They're going to be the Tennessee Titans. They have a pretty relatively easy schedule. Uh, week 14, they play against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Their defense is absolutely demolished of what it was back in 2017, 2018. They don't got Jalen Ramsey. They don't got Clayus Campbell. They don't got Dante Fowler Jr. They don't got, um, you know, they're they're losing all of their key pieces around them. Um, they still got their young uh, middle linebacker, Miles Jack. But uh, Telvin Smith retired two years ago. Who really knows if he's coming back? Their defense is not what it used to be. Um, week 15, they play the Detroit Lions. Uh, their team got even worse. They got uh, Darius Slay out of there. I, they don't. I don't know why they didn't want to sign him, but they got Jeffrey Akuda there. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, uh, what their defense looks like. But then they got the Green Bay Packers week 16. That's probably their toughest matchup, and that's not even really good defense that you're really worried about. That you're like, okay, I'm setting my players. Um, so Tennessee Titans is a team that I'm looking out players all on their team. Uh, I really like Derrick Henry. He's a player that I would, you know, look like to add just because he's done it the past three years. We've seen him win everyone the fantasy championships the past two years. He's rumbled for over 200 plus yards in at least one of those games each of the past two years. Um, is there any players that you're looking for to highlight uh, on the Tennessee Titans that you think could take a big step forward this year, guys? I'll step up here. Uh, Derrick Henry, for sure, though. Jacksonville last year, if you remember, towards the end of the season, uh, they were atrocious against the run, and they didn't really fill that void. You know, a lot of people thought maybe they would take Derrick Brown in nine if he fell to him. Of course, he didn't. Uh, they didn't get to get uh, Javon Kinlaw at 20. So they really didn't fill that void inside. And then the Detroit Lions, they moved on from Zach Harrison, who was one of the better inside defensive front or interiors. And um, they're not really replacing him either from what I could see from this offseason. So those are two matchups where they're losing their run de- or a big piece of their run defense. And we all know what the Tennessee Titans like to do. They, they like to give Derrick Henry the ball 30 times a game. So those two weeks in particular, and then against the Packers, I mean, their defensive line is pretty solid, but it's not going to be anything where I'm going to be like, okay, I'm scared now. You know, it's going to be, yeah. it's going to be Derrick Henry season in the playoffs all over again. 
Yeah, Henry always seems to have uh, spanked the Jaguars uh, the last couple <laughs> of years. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, um, and Jake, I know that you're pretty high on A.J. Brown, at least for the Tennessee Titans wide receivers. Not really anywhere else. Uh, do you think that A.J. Brown could take advantage of those matchups? And I like, I know that the Jaguars and the Detroit Lions especially are pretty weak at cornerback. Oh, yeah, no. I think that the Packers, their secondary is pretty pretty decent, honestly. So that'll be kind of a tough test for A.J. Brown. But the Jaguars, I mean, their secondary is completely depleted. And I can see him absolutely putting up some just monstrous numbers, especially being a uh, rivalry game. And then with the Lions, I mean, like uh, like we kind of talked about, so Desmond Dufont is with the Lions now, but they got rid of Slay. Uh, and they just drafted Jeffrey Okuda. So, that, I mean, the secondary looks a little bit better, but having a rookie cornerback possibly shadowing him or an old veteran in Desmond Dufont, I think A.J. Brown, just with his ex- explosiveness, he could definitely – still eat pretty well like of all the receivers he's definitely i would not even worry about benching him any of those last few weeks yeah and like i said i think the tennessee titans are a pretty good team if you want to look for players to add either late in the draft whether or not that's Corey davis or johnny smith i think that those players could you know find you big dividends when it matters mm-hmm. most in the fantasy playoffs. Um, so I'm just saying, look out for those people, look out for people that's on the Titans roster, just because they are going to return good value late in the season. Um, another good team to monitor is going to be the Green Bay Packers. Uh, they got three really good matchups. Uh, you know, like I said, they do play the Titans week 16. So that is a very tough matchup, but they do got two cake matchups before that. Um, they do got the Detroit Lions in week 14. We all discussed what their weaknesses are, but moving on to week 15, that's going to be the against the Carolina Panthers. You know, they lost a, you know, a lot of good key pieces on, on their defense. Luke Keekley, Jared McCoy, to say the least. There is a lot of good defensive players that left them. And yet last year they were still bottom five and, you know, points allowed. So it's going to be interesting to see just how worse that defense can get. Blair, do you want to highlight any players on the Green Bay Packers you think are going to be able to step up in the fantasy playoffs? Because those three matchups are pretty, pretty good. It's exactly who you'd expect for me. It's Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. No one else on the team I'll really be targeting. I mean, maybe Rodgers during those weeks especially. But uh, but yeah, De- Devontae Adams, especially with those team secondaries, the way they look and the the number of targets that he's projected to be getting every single game. And with Aaron Jones, who's been great in all three phases, I think maybe over the season he might not uh, – repeat exactly the the success he had last year he may not have quite the opportunity but he's good at rushing the ball up the middle he's good at running outside he's good at catching he's improved his pass blocking he, he's really a complete running back and so it, I, I think Aaron Jones is a uh, a perfect target for late in the season I would say uh, we're going to be going over our rankings later, but I did notice that you are pretty high on Aaron Jones. Is that just because you think that he's going to have the same efficiency or do you like, are you not worried about, you know, AJ oh, Dillon? Yeah, um, I'm not worried about AJ Dillon. To, to me, sometimes when a rookie is drafted behind a veteran player, it's almost a good thing and not a bad thing. I, I don't see it as an indictment at all. I just see it as 
they don't want Jones' workload from last year increasing. And maybe they, they might have uh, have Dylan come in as a goal line back. But uh, coaches, I think, for the most part, as much crap as they get, they're usually pretty smart. And Jones was he did so well in the red zone for a reason. He's an awesome player in that facet of the game. He he was. I, he must have been top five in touchdowns for running backs last year. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, I, I, I think, think he was top one. Yeah. You, you had, that would make a 20. lot of sense. Yeah, I, I think there's a, a big element of it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. They're going to keep feeding Jones. I just think they want to have him um, you know, similar to Miles Sanders. right? They want to have him in that 65% of touches range. But for him, he's proven that that that's more than enough for him to be a top 10 running back. I don't, I think number two is a lot to expect out of him, but I, I think as a top 10 back, uh, absolutely. They, they have no reason to be, uh, to be looking at moving on for him. If anything, it looks like they're uh, starting to gear towards building the team around him as opposed to Rogers, as yeah. crazy as that would have sounded uh, <laughs> eight months ago. It, it, it looks like it's exactly what's happening. Exactly. And those are some pretty big like run defense heavy teams that you could go like the Detroit Lions like Robert said they lost Snack Harrison uh the Carolina Panthers they lost Luke Keekley and Gerald McCoy so you're going to be able to run all over them so if Aaron Jones yeah. does oh, have yeah. the hold of that starting no, job he could have, have 250 yards <laughs> yeah um that's why dude Aaron Jones lost me like 400 500 bucks last year I was winning by like five points with like a minute and a half left in the game. And I don't know if you guys remember, but week 16, I don't know who they were, who they were playing, but he got a little 60 yard scamper touchdown, broke a tackle with 30 seconds left. I don't think I've ever, Oh man, that was tough. I, I so I'm not a big Aaron Jones about. fan right now, but um, Robert, do you think that there's any other people to highlight in the green Bay Packers offense, whether or not that's whoever their wide receiver two is going to be or whoever their tight end is going to be? Good luck. Um, Chase Sternberger will be the only other person that I think is worth keeping an eye on. Obviously, he's not worth drafting, um, but he'll be entering his second season. I think it's still a little early, but I think he's going to be on the field. Uh, who they draft in the third round? Devin Aguara or something? Yeah. Yeah. Aguara uh, or something like that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, he's more of a blocker from what I, I can see. Uh, so Jay Sternberger will be the receiver, uh, in the tight end room. There's no wide receiver beyond Devonte Adams that I'm really even going to take a look at. We've seen enough of Devin Funches. Like maybe he'll pull down a few touchdowns here and there and he'll surprise you, but, uh, I'm not going to rely on him. I'm not going to rely on Marquez Valdez-Gantling, uh, Equinemius St. Brown, I'm not going to rely on him. You know, so, hey, we're just Lazard, going too deep them. here. Yeah. yeah, Alan Lazard might be the best chance. Exactly. Um, if anyone, I would go with Alan Lazard. But still, you know, I'm down on Aaron Rodgers as a whole this year because I really just think, like Blair said, they're really starting to, to transition into, okay, Aaron Jones is the offense now, and we're going to win football games by running the ball a lot. So, when they get inside the 10 zone, like where before it was all Aaron Rodgers, now it's really transitioning into, okay, we can run the ball in this area too because Aaron Jones is a great touchdown scoring running back. Um, So I'm not going to rely on a ton of uh, less talented options uh, outside of Devontae Adams. 
And uh, I think that's probably about right. There's not really anybody else in the Green Bay Packers offense besides Aaron Jones. I'm probably a lot higher than everyone else on A.J. Dillon. In my opinion, they used a second-round pick on him whenever they could have drafted Aaron Rodgers, another wide receiver. So I think they're going to be using A.J. Dillon, whether or not that's like Blair said, at the goal line or as a package for himself, as, you know, even more than what Jamal Williams was last year. It'll be get to be seen. I kind of wish there was a training camp. I wish there will be just so we can see what Matt LaFleur's playing is with both those backs. But moving on to the next team, it's going to be the Baltimore Ravens. And that is a high-scoring team with whatever they had last year. They're moving back with the same cast, you know, minus Hayden Hurst. So it's going to be interesting to see just what the offense is going to look like, whether or not they're going to be able to still throw for as many passing touchdowns as they did. Or We all know they're still going to run the ball as much as they would like to. But Week 14 is their toughest matchup, Week 1 of the fantasy playoffs. So if you can endure Week 1, the, the semifinals and the championship weeks, you're going to be so thankful. Week 14, Week 1 of the fantasy playoffs, they, they play the Cleveland Browns. It is a rivalry game, so it's going to be interesting to see just how high-scoring that game is going to be. It might be high-scoring, but I could also see it being a 9-6 game. So it's going to be interesting to see just what the action is going to be like in that game. And then Week 15, it's another cake matchup with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Week 16 uh, with the New York Giants. The Giants' defense, you know, they were pretty bad last year, and they didn't really address anything that's going to drastically improve their defense this year. They did hire a special teams coach, Joe Judge, from the you know, uh, uh, from the Patriots, so it's not like they're going to improve their defense uh, ungodly. Um, so I think that's another cake matchup. Jake, uh, obviously Lamar Jackson is a start, but who else is there? They don't got any other wide receivers besides Marquise Brown. They don't got any other running backs besides J.K. Dobbins or Mark Ingram. Is that all that you're looking to start on their team? Uh, I'm definitely going to be hammering Mark Andrews all day, every day, all year. I think that with Hayden Hurst out of the picture, he's going to have a little bit of an uptick in usage and that by itself, he's going to be able to dominate. And we've kind of seen, we actually, well, we saw the Ravens are trying to get Lamar to be a lot more balanced run when you have to like, don't take it away from him, but we want you to be able to throw 30, 40, 50 times when he throws 50 times, they lose, they don't do very good, but he can still throw, and I think that with Mark Andrews kind of being able to be that big body presence, it helps spread everything out more, and he fits so well in the red zone. Basically, Lamar just had to roll out, look for him, and it's he's either open, going to be open, or he runs in for a touchdown. I think that the Browns – I've checked, actually. The Browns were like the third-worst uh, defense against the run last year. So I think that if Lamar, if Mark Ingram, and if J.K. Dobbins don't eat like they probably should, I think Mark Andrews is going to have an absolute heyday. Yeah, and I think Mark Andrews is probably, you know, we're going to get into our rankings later, like I said. Um, but I was very surprised that, Blair, you had Mark Andrews above Travis Kelsey. Oh. Yeah, by, uh, by one spot. Uh, I 100%. It's entirely age-related, uh, yeah. to be honest. Okay. And I did uh, did think about it. I think there, there's still a decent chance that Kelsey has three or four elite seasons left but i wanted to acknowledge the risk in there just acknowledge what we didn't know and andrews is young he's elite and he's just stepping into the opportunity i think there, there's a very good chance that uh, he could possibly even outscore george kittle this year 
I, I wouldn't uh, necessarily bet the mortgage on it, but I think it's entirely possible he could be the tight end one. And at 23 oh, yeah. years old, if we're having this same conversation, if that took place, it would uh, it would seem silly to even consider Andrews in the same tier as Kelsey, which is where I have them right now. But I uh, I 100% think that Andrews is just the the arrow is pointing straight up. It's just the only knock on him right now is he hasn't had that tight end one season yet but i think he uh, he might be headed there this year for sure yeah. yeah and i think that's a pretty good take uh i like what you said about if he does repeat what he did last year maybe even do a little bit better there's really no point to have him and kelsey in the same role because he, he won't is, be acquirable yeah yeah um and he's almost two kittle level already kittle was pretty dominant the past couple of years and i don't think even we've seen prime kittle yet um mm-hmm. Because I think that George Kittle is going to be pretty good this year with Ayuk and Debo both there. It's going to take a lot of attention away from him. But um, moving on, that is the end of our uh, fantasy playoff heroes segment. We're going to be moving on to our main one. We're going to be talking about our dynasty differences in our rankings. Um, We're all pretty excited about that. Um, We updated our rankings yesterday. Um, There was a lot of differences. I'm not going to lie. It's kind of cool to... Because I was personally the one who entered them into our consensus ranking. Um, So I pretty much got to see everyone's ranking firsthand. And uh, it was pretty interesting to see just how different they were from mine and different they were from all of us and kind of see where all of our heads are at as well. Um, You know, Robert, did you have fun making your rankings? Is there anything that you noticed along the way that you were just like, hmm, this guy over that guy, I did not see that one coming? Uh, I wait. I uh we pointed this out earlier when the consensus rankings were posted. I have him on wide receiver twelve. Yeah, he's he's got him down. Um another guy <laughs> that I was looking at, um, Baker Mayfield for me. Uh I it's not that I don't believe in the talents that I don't believe in the uh volume and the passing work and that, you know, he has the talent around him, but I just don't see the team trying to utilize that talent. I see the Browns trying to transition more into a Kirk Cousins role. So as I am making my rankings and I see Baker Mayfield, you know, fall further and further down, uh, it kind of makes me question myself. Like, am I doing the right thing? Like, (laughs) I really just be dropping him this far. He is what, 25 years old now and former number uh, one overall quarterback. Former number one overall, uh, two-time walk-on, which is extremely and hard a hot to do. offense too. Yeah, um, but we're gonna be talking about Baker actually in a little bit, so I think that's a, actually pretty perfect. Um, Jake, is there anything that you noticed about your rankings? Uh, anything that along the way that you were just like, really, this guy over that guy, or I really have this guy here? What I kind of noticed as I was going that I. I was not very kind to a, a certain running back out of Philadelphia with Miles Sanders, and I think I was also the highest one on Twitter tonight. So oh, I I think Robert has been waiting to <laughs> waiting to talk about Miles Sanders for a little bit. Yeah, I've been uh, plotting my argument for a while now. <laughs> I just I feel like the reason why I dropped him so low it was it was a little bit of I don't know how he's going to do as the workhorse for that team, even with a sixty five percent usage rate. I think that PPR-wise, he's going to be outstanding. But I think if he gets into the two to 300 carry range, he's not going to have the uh, 4.0 plus yards per carry and not especially more than five or six rushing touchdowns. I just I think he's going to be a solid player this year, but I don't think he's going to be a 
top contending running back that's really going to kind of do it for a team, especially when he's going in the second round in most drafts, like late second, maybe early third. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Now, Blair, now your rankings were probably the most fun I had looking at uh, <laughs> and entering in because I thought I, val- no, I, I thought I valued the quarterbacks. I thought that I was like, quarterbacks are king. <laughs> and then I looked at your rankings and you value quarterbacks. Uh, what is your thought process just on that? Um, I think that it's just a supply and demand thing. Uh, it's kind of tough because as I'm doing the rankings, it, it isn't necessarily I would take this player over this player because he's higher in the rankings at all. It's more of just a theory that at the top of the draft, the direction that I would take is to try and pick up building blocks at the beginning for the next several years. Whereas I see the elite running backs as guys that even though they're not necessarily seen in this light, they're, they're guys that have potentially a one or two year shelf life a guy like uh, ezekiel elliott who's 24 years old uh to think of where todd Gurley was two years ago uh the same yeah. thing for joe mixon yeah. who needs a contract same thing for dalvin cook who needs a contract and and as that new information comes in it'll always adjust for things but i'm sure you could tell uh from the rankings that the number one thing i wanted to show people who are following my rankings is i'm going to fade the elite running backs at the top of a dynasty startup it's just that simple to me and uh I, I guess people can go with what they want. I'm not saying that if Dalvin Cook's sitting there at 20th overall pick when I'm doing a startup, then I'm not going to take him. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? But it, it's more, it's just the, uh, I wanted to show these guys in philosophy. I want my, uh, I want my players to be ranked 10 spots below ADP if I'm going to be fading them, right? If someone was following the rankings. And when it comes to making up the difference, they're so few differences between some of these players between 20th overall and 50th overall yeah. in in some cases and even yeah. even sixth or seventh overall and 20th i find sometimes i really have to split hairs to to find who i want and then i could change my opinion on it the next week yeah and see that's what robert was coming at me about was my tyree kill and huh. for me personally people that are that high it's so hard to differentiate them um the difference between Devontae adams and tyree kill the difference between chris godwin and tyree kill or even when you're talking about kenny galladay and tyree kill it's pretty minuscule uh for me at least um so going through my rankings they're pretty you know different to okay do i value the guy that's going to be better this year, the guy that's going to be better in three years from now. Um, and I always like to look at dynasty in a three-year window. Would I rather have Drew Locks next three years or, you know, Aaron Rodgers next three years? Um, so it's going to be pretty interesting to see um, us discuss our rankings. Uh, it was pretty interesting to see what our consensus came out to be. Um, it was pretty fun. Um, and you could check out our rankings on our website, ffbforecast.com. Um, it's going to be under the dynasty rankings tab. Um, all of our rankings are there. The consistent, the consensus rankings are at the bottom. So make sure you check those out as well. Um, but we're going to be going into it. Uh, the first quarterback we're going to be going over today is Baker Mayfield. Robert, you're you got pretty hot about Baker Mayfield earlier. Do you just want to talk about why you're just so unsure about him? I know that you said earlier just because you know that they're kind of turning away from him, whether or not that's hiring Kevin Stefanski, a more run-first coach, or whether or not that's bringing in Austin Hooper and Jarvis Landry or OBJ and filling weapons around him as well. Right. Yeah, it's just, you know, from what I heard, I, I think I mentioned this on the last podcast, but 
um, from what I heard, the reason for the Stefanski hire was because the team wants to build their offense around Nick Chubb uh, over Josh McDaniels, who had wanted to uh, mm-hmm. run the offense around Odell Beckham, where, okay, this team is going to transition into what the Minnesota Minnesota Vikings tried to do last year. I mean, we all know that that was Gary Kubiak's offense, but basically Stefanski was, while he was the actual play caller, uh, he was the protege in a sense. And now he's going to try and implement what Gary Kubiak did. And if you look at Kirk Cousins, what he did last year, you know, when you were watching Minnesota Vikings games, you could tell Kirk Cousins was a very good quarterback. But where did he finish last year? I think he finished quarterback 13 in most leagues. Mm-hmm. So if you started him each and every week, you know, you didn't get a good quarterback. He was nope. a solid, uh, really great, like, person to watch, and he could lead a team to a successful season. But he wasn't solid for fantasy. And I think Baker Mayfield uh, is likely to sort of follow in that light where he can be a successful NFL quarterback. But for fantasy, he's just not exciting. Couldn't have said it better myself, Robert. I, yeah, I agree 100% with uh, with everything. I was like, uh, Robert, you have Baker Mayfield QB 14. Blair, you have you were the worst on him at QB 19. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, there again, there's uh, quite a small difference sometimes between the QB 12 and the QB 24. And I'm sure there'll be some, uh, some toggling we'll do here and there. But, yeah, I, I think that... Uh, comparing him to cousins is a, is a perfect way to look at it that I think Mayfield is still a pretty accurate quarterback that still has pretty high potential, but not necessarily high fantasy potential in this sense, right? They're going to be using a lot of play action. I think they're, he may, his efficiency may go up this year, but one other reason that I've lower on him is it seems like Cleveland is firing their coach almost every year. If they go four and 12 this year, there's a chance that Stefanski's not even around. They're just not a patient well-run organization and i think they're if they ever did get their uh get their shit together that yeah absolutely they could do really well but um for right now i'm definitely not going to uh not going to bet it i'm not going to invest high in mayfield when there's so many other options that could either have great seasons or be out of the league backing up somewhere in two years right that that's uh that's the way i look at it I must say, and looking at, you know, mine and Jake's past episodes of last season, whenever we were talking about this is our, you know, our rankings, this is where we have our quarterbacks, we all collectively had Baker Mayfield at least top eight in our, you know, rankings. Oh, yeah. Oh, so did I. Yeah, yeah. I got burned by Baker in multiple leagues. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I drank the Kool-Aid as much as anyone, right? <laughs> and uh, that probably uh, that's part of the reason I was a little lower on um on on this year's first overall, Joe Burrow, like that, uh, as well as things can start off because they did for Mayfield. Um, it's just a situation. Sometimes it's, it's everything with these young quarterbacks, and mm-hmm. right now Mayfield isn't going to have the volume, and that's a big drive. He's not going to have the rushing yards either, and those are the two biggest drivers of fantasy points. Yep, exactly. I would say, and Jake, you and me were the highest on him. You had him at QB 11, Adam, and I had him at QB 12. So we both yeah. think that he's going to be at least a QB 1 this year in 12-team uh, leagues. And I feel comfortable doing that. If I, you know, go super flex leagues, I go running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, and Baker Mayfield sitting there in the fifth round, I would more than likely pick Baker Mayfield as my QB 1. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
just because the value is there. And they got Austin Hooper. They got David Njoku. They got OBJ. They got Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, a stacked offensive line. I could go on and on. They got the weapons there. They even got Donovan Peoples-Jones yeah. in the sixth round um, as their you know third slot receiver. So it's going to be interesting to see just how their offense gels. It's going to be hard, at least in my opinion, for Baker Mayfield to not have a, have a successful season. And I like the Kirk Cousins comparison. It was the same as last year and the, and the year before. In my opinion, it was hard for Kirk Cousins to not be a fantasy-relevant quarterback with all those weapons around him. And I think it's the same way with Baker Mayfield. Jake, do you kind of like Baker? I saw you have him at QB11. You were the highest on him. Um, you actually have him over our next guy they're going to be talking about, which is Aaron Rodgers. You had him yeah. at Aaron Rodgers at QB13. So kind of tell me a little bit about the differences, because I think there are very different quarterbacks, whether or not that's young and old or two totally different teams as well. Yeah, I mean, my the reason why I had Aaron so much farther back is just because of age. Like you said, looking at like a three-year uh, window, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be much of a top 15 quarterback in you know the next two or three years. But with Baker, I mean – He's young. We saw what he did his rookie season. He walked into an organization that was absolutely garbage. We're talking about they had quarterbacks like Johnny Manziel and Brian Hoyer and all the other people you can name that they're trying to trust their uh, their team with, and it all crumbled down. And Baker was stepped in, took Tyrod's spot, and you know ran with it. And I don't remember if they got 500, if they got really close to being above 500, yeah. but like he did really well for a rookie quarterback in a situation where he really had Jarvis and. I mean, some good running backs. Uh, they upgraded their positions last year, but like kind of like what Blair said, the coaching staff had got all completely flipped around. And instead of having him in more of a shotgun position where he can take you know a step back, take a couple reads, and then make a decision, he was doing a lot more six-step dropbacks. And it kind of just threw everything off for him. If you look mm-hmm. at what he did at Texas Tech, if you look at what he did in Oklahoma, they're a bunch of West Coast air raid. Like basically, there's not that many times he's going to be under center. And then they just kind of threw him out of his element. I think if they can get back, even with giving the ball to Nick Chubb more, I think that just is going to help Baker uh, in the long run because there's a lot of RPAs that they can do with that. So I, I think that overall, like I think Baker is going to be trending upwards. But this is also going to be the year for me that will kind of solidify how I feel about him. Mm-hmm. I'm still on his train until he proves me otherwise. Uh, last year was his first full year. He fumbled literally and figuratively this is his last chance for me and if he doesn't do like if he, if he's not like at least a top 15 quarterback i think i'll probably just toss him aside and say all right well i'm gonna look for another young quarterback to kind of put my uh put my stocks into yeah and i think that's a pretty good transition because the stock's going in the quarterback and i think we're all trying to sell our stocks on the next one um, when we're talking about aaron Rodgers, blair you've been kind of haunted by Aaron Rodgers your whole life. Oh, um, maybe. And I, I say, and it kind of reflects on your uh, quarterback rankings because the respect <laughs> is there. You do have him yeah. as QB ten, uh, easily the highest out of us four. Kind of, uh, kind of tell us why you have him right there. I think that uh, his situation, despite having Devonte Adams and Jones right now, it's almost as poor of a situation for putting up fantasy points as a quarterback can have. And I think with them drafting Jordan Love behind him, I think there's a good chance that this is the last year that Rodgers plays in Green Bay. I almost see it as a uh, a late career, you know, Brett Favre, Peyton Manning situation where there's a good chance that he's going to be going to a team that is has everything but a quarterback. Now, this is entirely projection, um, 100%, but I, I really do feel that the writing's 
on the wall with this, that if Rodgers ends up in a good situation, that this is a guy who maybe not the top five quarterback that he was, but definitely a top 10. And if he ends up in a, uh, in a really good situation that he still has top three NFL upside in, uh, in fantasy, especially that's uh, that, that's, I guess why I wasn't ready to, uh, to pull the plug on him yet. I know he's not uh, young by any means, but he, he is an athletic guy as well. He, he's just a very, very smart quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I think he's, uh, I think he's going to get frustrated with the situation he's in really quickly from going to a run first offense. But if a team comes in and surrounds him with, two good wide receivers and a tight end, a good offensive line. I think, I think he could, uh, he could still be tearing it up next year. I would say the over, I mean, Vegas has the odds of if he were to move, the odds are that it was the Las Vegas Raiders, then the San Francisco 49ers. And I think it was the Dallas Cowboys next as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to imagine Rogers on, yeah, San Francisco, how, uh, how well he could do there. I, I guess it all depends. It, it, it's definitely um, difficult. To, it, it's dangerous projecting uh, things that could happen sometimes. And so maybe it's something I could uh, look at in, in the rankings, but really I made sure to put Rogers outside the quarterbacks I had as more stable, like in the elite tier of quarterbacks. So I, I'm kind of comfortable with where he is right now that at the end of the day, most of these quarterbacks, they're all ranked where they are because they have some things that could go wrong for them real quick. And for Rogers, to me, it kind of already has that it, there's nowhere to go, but up. And uh, I guess we'll see how it plays out this year. I would say, and the flip side of it is Robert. Robert has him as a low-end QB2 at quarterback 18. So it's interesting to see the flip side on that. You have him as a low-end RB, I mean a low-end QB1 and a low-end QB2. Robert, is it just because he's transitioning to that run heavy, or do you think it's just because, hey, man, he's old, and I really don't know how many more years he has left? Um, I just want to say, first off, uh, if anyone is wondering why I'm looking down so much, I have a cat oh. right here. A little cat. <laughs> Her name is Sadie. Nah. Um, Not fair, bro. Thank you. Anyway, um, Aaron Rodgers, as far as his 98 ranking, that out of the top 100 for me. Yeah, he barely um, made it. Yeah, for me, really, I mean, I love Aaron Rodgers. I still think he has all the talent in the world. Really, the problem for me is just the Packers they're showing that they want as I mentioned earlier they want to go run first with this offense and they want to transition to okay Aaron Jones is going to be the main guy getting the touchdowns and I looked into the contract situation and I really don't see any way that the Packers can move on from Aaron Rodgers after this year I think it's like a 30 million dollar cap hit and it's just at that point, why? Why why would you even move on? After that, after this next season, which would be after the 2021 season, uh, it would be a $17 million cap hit or something of that na- nature. So um, that would make it a little more realistic. And you don't invest a first round pick into Jordan Love to not make him the future. So I think that's when they would decide to move on. But I... You know, I don't plan to take Aaron Rodgers and plan to have him for two years and kind of just be disappointed with him every time he could step onto the field because the team is transitioning more into the run-heavy offense. 
Yeah, and I think that's fair. Um, it looked like your boy uh, getting bills agreed with you. It looks like he's also <laughs> on the anti Rogers train. That's and my I, guy, Billy. I will oh, say that, that actually is a really good point about the the contract, Robert. I haven't looked in as deeply as you have, and I, it would definitely make a a big difference if he was there for two seasons instead of just this one in in this offense for sure. I would say, and me and Jake have him as a high end QB two, and I and I think I'm. I'm comfortable with that. Um, if I had him as my QB2, I'm pretty happy. Um, but to Robert's point, I am looking to also try to stack him with Jordan Love, at least get the insurance there. Um, I mean, it's just because if I am an Aaron Rodgers owner, I am totally fine with spending even an early second on Jordan Love. I know that's pretty early with what the consensus is. Um, he's going, you know, early third right now. But if you do got Aaron Rodgers, it would make total sense to stack him with Jordan Love. Um, but moving on, that is actually it with our quarterbacks. We're going to be moving on to the running back portion. we got a lot of interesting running backs in our rankings because after the first five, the next couple, ten, it's kind of hard to place them in the rankings. Uh, and our rankings reflected that. Uh, two of them that stood out to me were Austin Eckler and Leonard Fournette. We're going to start with Austin Eckler. Um, I thought I was the biggest on Austin Eckler at him at RB12. But then Jake came out of nowhere and put him at RB9. And then Robert put him at nowhere, RB12, and Blair at RB15. So we're all thinking, so we all think he's at least going to be an RB1. Blair thinks he's going to be a high end RB2. Um, Jake, you're bullish, uh, some would say, on (laughs) Austin Eckler. I thought I was high on him, and then I looked at your rankings, but I'm fine with that. Um, why do you have Austin Eckler where you do have him? I mean, nine is pretty high. Uh, it is pretty high, but I think that in the format, uh, kind of with them drafting Joshua Kelly, they also have Justin Jackson. All that says to me is that they're going to have a committee that's going to allow him to thrive near the goal line and also just in the passing game. It's very similar to Miles Sanders, but I think that Eckler is better than Miles Sanders overall. Um, he's going to definitely start off the season from what I just assume at this point, because I don't think Joshua Kelly is going to take over the reins day one. Uh, he's going to be the kind of three down back, get him in, get him out in into uh, out into space, toss him the ball. He's kind of like going to be the safety net for Tyrod or for Justin Herbert. But the dude can also run through the tackles, and he can definitely work his way. Uh, I mean, he had the – at one point in time, he was top – five in the league behind Melvin Gordon for like yards per carry. I mean, the dude, whenever he gets the opportunity, he can, he is a workhorse. It's just, we've never really gotten to see him a full season with all of the uh, attention on him. And I think that after seeing what he did last year with Melvin holding out, he almost had over like a thousand receiving yards or a thousand total yards in general. He was, he was an absolute stud last year. He was, he actually carried one of our friends, uh, Jesse's teams for yeah, a while. Legitimately. And, uh, <laughs> and I think like a six and two that, record or something like that. Yeah. And after seeing that and just knowing the type of offenses they do have, they have enough weapons to spread everything out. I think that Austin Eckler could easily be a top 10 running back this year. Yeah. And I think that's fair. Uh, you did mention Joshua Kelly. You did also mention Justin Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, the hit rate for those late, you know, anybody after the third round running back wise, the hit rate on them is pretty low. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see just how Joshua Kelly transitions to the NFL. I will 
I would see Joshua Clay more as the goal line back, but like Jake said, we did see Austin Eckler produce in the goal line time after time whenever Melvin Gordon wasn't there. Um, we did, you know, see, like he said, our friend Jesse literally just had Austin Eckler and he was whipping us every week. And we were like, who the hell is this guy? Austin Eckler, this, this guy's a scrub. Like, bring back Melvin Gordon. And then even whenever they brought back Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler had a role. Um, who was the lowest on him? It looked like Blair at yeah, RB15. And I am, and uh, no, no uh, controversy on this one, honestly. I think Eckler's an awesome player. Everything you guys said, he's another player that's awesome in every aspect. It was just a matter of preferring some other guys that I uh, th- that I had, I think, in the in the same range. I, I, I did have him ranked behind guys like, uh, like Kenyon Drake, Derek Henry, guys who I see as kind of the one- or two-year rentals, but – with top five potential this year, especially uh, especially Henry with how much of a monster he is for this season and you know, seeing that he has a good playoff schedule. So I, I'd even look at uh, at moving him back up a little bit. I kind of see him as a, uh, that in-between. I, I, one thing I did think that could be a huge drawback for him is that uh, Philip Rivers, he had the most targets to running backs in the entire NFL and has yeah. for a good 10 years. Him and Drew Brees are just the two QBs. And, and I, Tom Brady, I guess you could say as well, that just constantly feed the running backs targets. Yeah. And uh, But I do think that uh, a 65 opportunity, uh, 65% opportunity share for him, which would pretty much be the same as, uh, as Miles Sanders, Aaron Jones, Kenyon Drake, I think I probably am a little bit too low on him and uh, I'll be looking at that because he's an awesome player that does everything well. I was saying, uh, Robert, you're, uh, you said your friend Billy. Uh, do you think Joshua <laughs> Kelly is a bell cow back? Uh, are you agreeing with him, or do you think Austin Eckler is going to have the lion's share of that role? I think Eckler will still have the lion's share. I, I do believe that Kelly has that sort of potential. Um, just from basically watching his film at UCLA, looking into the stats and all that information. But really, for the most part, you know, they paid Austin Eckler. A fourth-round pick for a running back is not... I mean, I think it's a more valuable fourth-round pick than a you know, regular fourth round pick considering they traded their second and their third to move back into the first round to get a linebacker. But at the same time, I don't think that they're just going to, you know, take away from Austin Eckler. I think he, similar to what, you know, you can expect in a Miles Sanders and probably what Boston Scott split this year, uh, it would probably be similar to me between, uh, Austin Eckler and Josh Kelly and Josh Kelly could steal a goal line opportunities too, which would potentially really derail uh, Austin Eckler. Just, you know, Austin Eckler is more of a threat receiving inside the goal line too. So that's uh, um, something to look out for as well. Yeah. And I agree with that. I think that Joshua Kelly, if he does have a role, it's going to be pretty much just like the Boston Scott. And I would even also say I could see them having like a David Montgomery, Jordan Howard type of thing. Um, but moving on to our next running back, Jake, you're still high on this guy. I think we all took a, a collective step back, whether or not that was after his first take interview calling out Gardner Minshew or whether that was after Adam Schefter saying he's reportedly on the trade block or whether that was after reportedly punching fans and players uh, in 2018. <laughs> I think, but we're talking about Leonard Fournette here. And Jake was the highest. He says he's still an RB1, a low-end one. 
but still an RB1 at RB11. Uh, I have him at RB17, Robert RB18, and Blair the lowest, um, barely an RB2 at RB21. So, you know, Jake, let's start off with you. Why are you so, you know, bullish on Leonard Fournette? Do you think that he's still going to have that role? Um, they did just also bring in Chris Thompson. So do you think that his pass catching role is still going to be there? I mean, yeah, just because Chris Thompson can't play a single season healthy. I mean, Chris Thompson's 29 yeah. years old, going on 30, and he has been absolutely injury-ridden since I can remember. I remember Chris Thompson being a hot commodity, uh, but I think that Leonard Fournette is going to be very similar with what he did last year, hopefully at more of an uptick in touchdowns. I mean, that offense, the offensive line's not the best, not the worst. I think that they showed what he can do in the receiving, though, the receiving game. And I think that kind of helps him take a step forward. I know that he didn't get a contract extension. That might be an issue. But I think he can find himself on teams that have running backs that kind of are an iffy in between. I personally, before the draft, I thought that he'd be a solid fit in like Seattle if they decided to kind of move on from Chris yeah. Carson. With them drafting DJ Dallas, I, I still think so. But I, I don't know that that running back is, or backfield is so confusing now because they're also bringing back Marshawn Lynch. But uh, yeah, I just think that Leonard Fournette, that offense hasn't done anything. Like even the signing of Chris Thompson hasn't done enough to really make it where he is a uh, going to be too affected, I guess. And having Nick Foles out of there, Garner Minshew in there. I mean, he ate with Garner Minshew most of the season. I think that he's going to have a very similar season as last year, maybe a little bit less yards, hopefully more of an uptick in touchdowns. Yeah, and I think that's pretty fair. I think if the opportunity is there, he has a big chance to repeat as an RB1. Uh, Blair, like I said, you were the lowest on him at RB21. Kind of give us why you put him right there, because there is quite a bit of running backs that you have ahead of him. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, got burned fading him last year, that's for sure. He, he's not a guy that I was really a fan of. I didn't see him as a great pass catcher, but man, he really was in a, a perfect situation for it last season, that's for sure. Uh, he, he must have been top five in receptions for running backs, or close to it, right? Yeah, I mean, I, Bill uh, says he had a second highest market share, so I mean, yeah. he had to have a lot of targets, and because yeah. we all know the yeah. carry that he gets. And I'd, uh, But uh, basically going... Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get burned fading. I'm going to get burned twice. I uh, I think that it, it def Thompson's definitely had trouble staying healthy, but I think that Jay Gruden's been a lot more of a running back by committee coordinators, oh, yeah. a coach than uh, than others have, and especially with the uh, the off season stuff that's happened with Fournette, I think there there still could be something that happens there that's going to change what we think now. Anyway, whether he did end up getting traded, I think like there's even the potential of him uh, getting cut at some point. I I don't know if they're uh, if they they want to after the season he had last year. It might be a bit controversial, but with a new coaching staff in there, I think if their NFL coaches are really quick to pull the trigger. Uh, moving on, yeah, mm -hmm. in, with a new regime. That's uh, that's my take on Fournette. I, again, it's not to say that I wouldn't necessarily be happy to have him on my team this year as an RB2, but I really wanted to reflect that he's not a guy that I'm going to be targeting, that I'm going to be picking yeah. wide receivers, you know, potentially a tight end or maybe a second quarterback instead of, in, instead of hoping he repeats what he did last year. Yeah, that's fair. I was saying, Robert, is there anything that you wanted to add on Fournette? Uh, you were pretty... Even on him, RB18, so it's middle tier of RB2s. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Yeah, uh, I think it's realistic that you could get a really solid season again from Leonard Fournette this year, uh, similar to what you had last year. Um, 
like one of my biggest worries for Fournette was them bringing Chris Thompson. Maybe now he's not the receiving back, but Jake makes such a great point about the touchdown regression. Like it is coming one way or another for Fournette. He is going to score more touchdowns this year than three last year, um, <laughs> despite the the huge market share. Yeah, I don't um, see how that's possible. Exactly. So uh, while his you know receptions very well could go down, you know touchdowns are so like six points for a touchdown versus yeah. one point for a catch. You know he it just he doesn't need to catch the ball as much if he scores more. So my worry more so for having Fournette so a little farther down is for the future. I just don't see Fournette getting to a nice position where maybe he is in Seattle. And, like, if he's in Seattle, okay, but I don't really think he would be the lead guy. I think they would really try and split that up between, I mean, by then, Kenny would be healthy. DJ Dallas is still a fourth-round pick. Chris Carson would be gone. But, you know, I see him as sort of like how I might have saw Melvin Gordon earlier uh, last season where you have a season of him probably being the workhorse, but then after that, you know, he could enter a situation like Melvin Gordon's in Denver now, and do we really know how they're going to split that up between him and Bill Blinty, where the value is going to be? So, so much uncertainty for the future with Fournette. That's my only opinion on him. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of a place, like a good landing spot. There's no, and that's why I was so worried about these rookie running backs. Um, If the Chiefs weren't going to bring in a running back, they were all going to be fighting over a couple spots. Even the Indianapolis Colts with Jonathan Taylor, that's not a great landing spot. I mean, like it is because they're offensive line. It is because they're running first team, but they have Marlon Mack. So it's not like he's that, like the, number one guy undoubtedly so it's kind of difficult to say hey if he's not going to be on the jaguars there's not another good position we're going to say he's going to get that opportunity um but moving on to the wide receivers there's a couple wide receivers robert uh you did already say you're going to be adjusting obj (laughs) in your rankings he is a wide receiver one in your current rankings um so at some point in time at some point in time, you thought he was a wide receiver one, whether or not that was <laughs> for one second yesterday or for what. Um, but Robert has OBJ at, at wide receiver 12, Blair lowest wide receiver 32, Jake yeah, at wide receiver 15, and uh, I have him at wide receiver 17. So he's all over in all rankings. It's kind of hard for us to pinpoint um, where he's going to be. I'm interested to see where Robert's going to adjust him to see uh, where he's at. Um, we were talking pre-show on our messenger account. Um, Jake, you actually said, dang, Blair, I wish I had enough balls to put OBJ that low because <laughs> yeah. that's where I think he deserves to be. Um, so, Blair, just tell us uh, how big are your balls? How <laughs> how can you put him at wide receiver 32, man? Uh, I'd say I see it. Um, I, a lot of what I said to Mayfield about Cleveland, the situation in general, uh, applies there. I think that them being a run first team, they uh, there's not going to be as many targets. Like I see Landry and Beckham a lot. Like I see as a Vikings fan, Thielen and Diggs, where Diggs like may even be the better player, but the way that they're used in the offense, the and we saw it play out last year. We've already seen how their offense worked, and now they're going to be switching to more of a uh, more of a wide zone running play action offense, which I think could 
help Beckham. But realistically, even I can't see things getting better. Um, there's either they have a little bit of continuity when they're already new, learning a new playbook again, where Landry's already been the uh, the go-to guy in the intermediate and short routes. And Beckham, that was a place that he dominated typically in the Giants as the number one that Eli kept feeding. And so being able to take that 80-yard screen pass to the house, Beckham doesn't have as many opportunities there as he used to. And he's not old by any means yet but he's at 27 he's getting to the point where you know he's at his peak already and so i'm not sure how long i'm gonna sit around waiting for the situation to get better in cleveland yeah. uh that that's that's the way that i'm looking at it and again you know maybe maybe i'm a bit aggressive leaving him behind <laughs> other guys but i'm i'm okay with that because at the end of the day someone else is going to be taking him on his name value on his past production higher than than his ADP possibly. So I know at the end of the day, I'm not too worried about exactly where it is. I just know that he's not a guy I'm going to be targeting in Dynasty. To me, he's yeah. not a buy low. He's uh, he's a name brand that that's not a better product. I must say, and I was about to say, like you had him pretty low, and last year I felt like it was his floor, and he was wide receiver 25. So I think that's pretty fair. Um, yep. His situation even got worse, in my opinion, with the run first coach and with Austin Hooper coming there. So I think that is very fair for you to put him where you have him. Uh, can he get better? Yes. Are yep. is there a better chance of him getting better than you know him regressing? I, I'm not so sure. Um, but let's say Robert, like I said, you have him at wide receiver 12. Obviously, you said he's not going to be right there. Um, but I feel like you still might have him as a maybe a mid-tier wide receiver two. So why do you have him currently, at least where you do have him? Yeah, if I move him down, it's he probably won't fall beyond wide receiver 20. And, you know, we just sort of quickly forget how talented he is. You know, he's just insanely what, talented. He is. Two years ago, Odell Beckham was undoubtedly a top three wide receiver in the NFL. And now you know, everything is about his injuries, um, him not getting the opportunities. You know, I think it's between him and Jarvis Landry. I think one of them will see success next year in the same sort of way that uh, last year, you know, in Minnesota between Thielen and Diggs when they were both on the field, really only one of them saw success. Um, and for the most part, it was Thielen when they were both out there until later on in the season. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think o- I think overall Odell is a more talented between uh, Odell and Jarvis Landry. Oh, I, I agree by far. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I think, you know, it's just how they utilize them. But really, you know, the talent's there. It, as long as he gets the opportunity, he could finish. He still has that top five upside, but he's going to have to show that health. He's going to have to show that he can get that opportunity. And, you know, it's still something that you question. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'll probably have to move him down because of that. But, yeah, I, I, I couldn't personally move him down into that 20 range into this certifiably insane range like myself (laughs) (laughs) i must say uh i'm looking at your rankings right now and let's just kind of go through them um would you rather have obj or who you have at wide receiver 18 cooper cup i'll take obj i think so because uh i 
I mean, if you're comparing Jared Goff and Baker Mayfield, you know, we, I, they're the same to me. So I, I think you um, have yeah. to compare coaches. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Sean McVay, Kevin Stefanski. I, I, I'll take the talent with OBJ though. Okay, so it's interesting. I, I think he's probably going to fall in that wide receiver 16 range. Um, let's do one more. How about um, who you have at wide receiver 15, Cortland Sutton or OBJ? Mm. Um, that one's a little tougher. I think I'll take Sutton. It's close. But, I, would say, uh, I would take Sutton. Yeah, I think I'll take Sutton. He's got the age on his side. I really do believe Sutton is on the verge of that breakout. Dominant establishing himself as number one. Jerry Judy kind of hinders that a little bit, but I still think Sutton has all the talent to become one of the better wide receivers in the league. All right. Well, moving on to our last, uh, you know, dynasty difference we're going to be talking about. Um, I feel like I was the lowest on this guy. And we're talking about Tyreek Hill. Uh, me personally, uh, as a Raiders fan, I've seen us get burned by Tyreek Hill, whether or not that's from a <laughs> uh, five-yard slant and he burns everyone, takes it to the house, or whether that's from a 60-yard uh, vertical route and he just burns everyone, takes it to the house. Um, but we saw last year that, you know, he is – he did get hurt. He does have that rib injury. I don't foresee that getting in his way again this year. Um, I think that's going to be in his past. But uh, they did keep Sammy Watkins. They did uh, keep Demarcus Robinson. That's not really anything. Nicole Hardman's still going to have a role. It's, it's going to be interesting to see just how much they use Tyreek Hill as a decoy this year. But I have him currently as wide receiver five. Um, that seems pretty high or not not overly low, I mean. But I do have him at number 23 overall. So I'm saying that I would I have... I would feel comfortable taking him in the early third. Not really anything before that. Um, now, Blair, you have the highest on him as your wide receiver one. Robert as your wide receiver two. And Jake as your wide receiver three. So, you, Blair, you're saying that you'd rather have Tyree Kill than Michael Thomas? Uh, yeah. And, uh, again, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of uh, – I don't think there's a wide disparity between the top five wide receivers. To me, they're all elite guys. Some lineup look where they're looking to have a perfect season this year. Uh, to me, that's Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas. Whereas a guy like Tyreek, DeAndre Hopkins, those guys have more long-term stability at quarterback position. But I don't see them necessarily scoring as many points this year. So in the ranking, uh, that's why I had uh, Tyreek at the top. And he has had... Uh, indiscretions in the past which you know can be a worry and i find it it's it's really hard just like injuries to to weigh that properly it, it's more something that you just uh, you'd kill yourself if uh, if something happened again in hindsight but i just see it as the best playmaker in the league 26 year old patrick mahomes and i i didn't want to overthink it past then i overthought enough stuff on this on these rankings i thought this was just <laughs> nice and simple yeah, and I like that. Um, I am easily the lowest. Robert, you have a measure wide receiver two. Um, do you feel comfortable right there? I mean, I assume you put Michael Thomas over him, so it's between DeAndre Hopkins and Tyree Kill. So what's your thought process on that battle? Uh, to answer Billy's question real quick, which I'm not sure if it's – I haven't seen it on the screen. But uh, do you uh, – there it is. Do you think oh, CEH, yeah. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire cuts into targets – Really quick, no, just because they're different sorts of targets. A lot of Tyree Kill's targets are, you know, designed to be 
deep downfield or the slants or those sort of targets where Clyde will be, you know, the sort of flare routes, the wheel routes. It's it's just going to be different. They're going to manufacture targets for both of them. Targets was one of the main reasons why I would consider Tyreek Hill to be where he's at. Um, I went back and looked into it. Number one wide receiver in 2018. We all remember that. Last year, he finished as the wide receiver 30 uh, in 12 games played. But, you know, two games he missed early or he left early. He combined for two catches for 26 yards um, from early injury. Like you said, he had the, uh, the collarbone injury. But he also had, um, in week 11, he had a hamstring injury against the Chargers before he could do anything. They had a bye this week, and then he came back week 13. So basically, he played two separate five-game stretches. So I looked at those two separate five-game stretches by themselves. Week 6 through week 10, he was the wide receiver one again. A lot of us don't remember that because, you know, psychological things, you either tend to remember the beginning or the end the best um in this mid-season but really he he was dominant once he came back from that clavicle injury he showed that he was healthy again and pat mahomes missed two games in that span so it's it's nice to see that you can have a wide receiver who's scoring like that at despite the fact that he doesn't have arguably the best quarterback in the nfl on the field Mm -hmm. uh like I said, he pulled Hammy in week 11, came back week 13. From week 13 on, he was the wide receiver 19, which is a big drop. So my theory was that he wasn't fully healthy. I looked into it a little bit more. From week 6 through 10, he'll average 10.4 targets per game, uh, wow. which is a lot of targets, obviously. Uh, only two wide receivers average more than 10 y- targets per game Uh throughout the whole season, and Michael Thomas was one, obviously, wide receiver one. He finished with 11.5 targets per game, so he's a little bit farther above. But Julio Jones was the other one, 10.5 targets per game. So that's about what Tyreek Hill had, and he was the wide receiver three. So, you know, if basically saying if Tyreek Hill had finished with that sort of pace, that's where you could have looked to see him finish. From weeks 13 through 17, he averaged 6.6 targets per game as a drop of almost four other players to average 6.6 targets per game. Terry McLaurin finishes the wide receiver 27. Cole Beasley, wide receiver 34. Curtis Samuel, wide receiver 36. Like, they were feeding Tyree Kill the ball when he was healthy and he was out there on the field. He's a dynamic playmaker, and he was productive too. He was the wide receiver one when he was getting the ball. But when he came back and he wasn't healthy, they wanted to keep him healthy for that stretch run. They decreased his workload, and you saw the production drop. So I really think, you know, midseason Tyreek is the more likely Tyreek that we're going to see, which is the number one wide receiver for a stretch in 2019, and he was the number one in 2018. So I don't see why to drop him much lower than that in 2020. Hell yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, well, that destroys my argument. All right, let's move on real quickly. All right, uh, moving on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Dang, Robert, uh, that's a lot of good points. It makes me really wonder just how much am I undervaluing Tyreek Hill because I was sitting here thinking, okay, he's kind of like a one-trick pony. The Chiefs just pretty much use him as a gadget player, but you made me – I didn't realize he had all those targets per game. That was pretty eye-opening. Um, if you can get a player like him – 
upwards of 10 targets a game, then he's going to produce to a fantasy wide receiver one very, very easily. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see just what his role is with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but I agree that his targets and Tyreek Hill's targets are completely different. Um, but that is the end of the dynasty difference part of it. Um, we like to end every episode with a wrap-up question. Uh, starting this episode, I took it to our followers on Twitter, FF underscore forecast. Um, any questions you guys have asked us, I have. Uh, I grabbed the, my two favorite ones. Um, one was about my favorite uh, rookie wide receiver entering the draft. I was pretty bummed out about his landing spot, so this question is perfect. Um, at Z twice FF Zach Xander, um, he asked us this question. It says, "Is CD Lamb being undervalued because of his landing spot?" Jake, what do you think about that? Now, CD Lamb, he was easily at least top two in everyone's wide receivers. Was, at least usually it was either Jerry Judy or CD Lamb. Now, he landed with the Cowboys. Did you like that landing spot? Did it decrease his value for you? I don't think it really decreased the value. I think it just kind of uh, increased the time before the value actually pays off. I think that right now he's going to fill kind of like a Randall Cobb role, be more productive. Uh, you might see more of a hit on Gallup. You might see a little bit more hit of a hit on Amari Cooper. But like we've covered in past uh, podcasts, we don't know what they're going to do with Amari Cooper after this year because there's no guaranteed money after this year. So if Amari Cooper still struggles to stay healthy, still struggles to catch balls, because I know that, uh, and you know, as in yeah, Oakland, his drops, yeah. yeah, with all his drops in Oakland when they're back there, uh, if he can't hold on to the ball and, and CD just shows out, I don't know why they wouldn't let Amari walk basically so they can pay a huge fraction of what they're paying Amari and get even better output out of it. So I think that he's valued pretty fair. I just think that it's going to take a little bit more time for the return of the investment. I was saying, I didn't mind his landing spot. I liked it. Um, I think that he, I would rather him land on a good offense than I'd rather him land on the Cowboys and the Jets 10 times out of 10. Um, I think him with Dak Prescott, him with Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup around him, Blake Jarwin, I think is either is going to be good on the offense as well. I like that landing spot. Robert, did you like it? Um, No, for the the Cowboys, it's going to be pretty hard for him to eat. Like we were wanting him to, uh, his landing spot was one of those where I'm watching the draft and I see his landing spot and I'm like, ill. <laughs> you know, I, I don't really like that. But then all of a sudden you start to think about it and you're like, well, maybe this could work. Maybe, you know, he's not so bad. CD Lamb, I think after the draft, I think I had him ranked third or fourth among wide receivers. And slowly he's crept his way back up to being my number one wide receiver. I didn't even have him number one pre-draft. I had Jerry Judy above him. Uh, really, it's about what he's in for. You know, you compare him to Jerry Judy. Uh, I mean, Jalen Rager has Carson Wentz, and I think they're similar. But Jerry Judy has Drew Locke. And then um, Justin Jefferson is a low-passing offense with Kirk Cousins. When you compare those big four, I mean, for passing volume, it's between Jalen Rager and CeeDee Lamb. But then you really start to think about Philadelphia. Okay, well, they want to keep out Sean Jeffrey. Sean Jackson's still there. They're talking ab- about J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Uh, Dak Ertz, we all know he's the target monster. Dallas Goddard's going to see targets. Um, how's Rager not number one? Because he's. they're still going to involve Alshon Jeffrey. There's 
I don't necessarily think that they should, but they're still talking about him being number one wide receiver on the team. They're still, you know, Deshaun Jackson, I think he's still committed at least for this year beyond yeah. that. Not sure. And, um, and they got Marquise Goodwin as well. You think about oh, yeah. CeeDee Lamb on the other side of things. As you mentioned, they could move on from Amari Cooper sooner rather than later. Um, Michael Gallup, while I think he's a really solid number two wide receiver, I don't think CeeDee Lamb's going to be held behind him for very long. And, you know, we didn't consider it, but Jason Witten and Randall Cobb leaving does open up a decent amount of targets. And when I think about, you know, defenses having to game plan against Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb, Mm-hmm. How are defenses going to cover all three of those guys at once? So, you know. They can't. Exactly. Well, we're also talking about Dallas was, I think, second last year in passing, too. So there's, there's right. still plenty of volume to go around. Right. Dak almost had 5,000 yards. Yeah. Like, there's a ton of opportunity here for CD Lamb, even though it didn't necessarily seem like it immediately. So I really think CD has amazing potential. He could be. Uh, really productive despite the fact that, you know, entering a situation where he might not even be a wide receiver, uh, a starting wide receiver on the team for the first year. Yeah. I like Robert. I, uh, I agree exactly with the kind of where you, where you came around to, like, to me, this was um, now I haven't uh, ranked these gone through it, but to me, it was borderline a top five landing spot for CD as far as how the team could do maybe not for the first four or five games, I guess, but wide receivers, most of the time, it takes them a little bit like half a season to get acclimated. And a lot of the time, especially if they're all alone, they're going to be facing top NFL corners. And that that can be a huge learning curve for these guys. I think it's the best developmentally for someone to be plopped into a situation where there's going to be targets, but there's also, uh, a guy like Amari Cooper that's going to be taking the attention away. I think Cooper and Lamb are going to be trading off games between which one is being covered by the better cornerback and dominating. Because both of them can play the slot well. And CD especially um, is a big time after the catch receiver, right? Like yeah. and He's not as big, so he might not have quite that effect in the NFL. But we're talking about a Mike McCarthy team who loves running three wide receiver sets. If right. you start picturing these guys into their roles like they had in Green Bay with Rodgers, uh, I'm trying to think back to their 15-1 and one season now. I'm not saying Dallas is necessarily mm-hmm. headed for that height, that Dak's Great that level of quarterback. But I, I think if, if you put CD into a role, something like what Randall Cobb is doing, but maybe mixing and matching more on inside and outside between him and Cooper, mm-hmm. I think he could have, especially the second half of the season, I think he could blow up. Yeah, that at the I, end of the day, Gallup is going to be the one who's going to end up being the decoy, catching one or two deep balls every second game. But Dallas is going to be throwing the ball a ton. They've got the the personnel for it, and they have the coach that coaches that way. That like they're not going to be a run first team unless they're up by ten points. That's not how McCarthy coaches the game. They're going to be throwing the ball to all three of the receivers all the time. There's no real tight end of consequence there. I, I think it's a perfect situation for uh, for Lamb. And more so, I think you're going to be able to predict when he does well in a lot of cases because you'll see who's matched up on Amari. And you'll you'll see 
who's going to be covering Gallup. You'll see how good of the run defense they have, whereas sometimes, especially with rookies, it can be so hit and miss, even with the best ones. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting. We all have C.D. Lamb pretty close outside of Jake. Sorry, Jake. But <laughs> I have him 51. Robert, you have him 50. Blair, you have him 48. And Jake, you have him 65. So we all have him pretty close outside of Jake. We all have him around the 50 area. Um, he's 53 and a half on our consensus rank and 52 is the number um so i mean we're all pretty close in our cd we all think he's going to be relatively good year one we all have him as a low-end wide receiver two in our rankings currently to be honest with you um but the next question it's kind of depressing i felt it in the heart i i saw it on twitter and i was like man i feel like he's looking at my dynasty rosters right now (laughs) i'm in a lot of dynasty leagues so I have a lot of rebuilding teams. I got a lot of contending teams. I have no team in the middle. And this team, I mean, and this question is perfect. It says, um, at F10Y Fantasy, so full 10-yard fantasy is his name. Um, is there anything worse in Dynasty than the denial you're in a rebuild? <laughs> now, I don't know about you guys, Jake. I share a league with you, Blair. I was in one league with you last year. Me and you were the top two teams uh, for the whole season. So I'm not quite for sure if you're in any rebuilding leagues, but for me personally, um, I have a couple of them and there's nothing worse than being in the middle when you're scrolling through your sleeper league or your, my fantasy league, hopefully sleeper. Um, and you're just like, man, I know that my team is not going to win the championship. I know that my team is going to finish with a six and seven record. They're not going to make the fantasy playoffs. And I'm going to sit here wasting my money. I might as well be building for the future. And there's nothing worse than whenever you just have to accept the rebuild. Cause at that point, you're basically just throwing away money. You're basically accepting the fact that you're not going to win this year, but you're fine with winning in three, four or five years. Um, Robert, is there any leagues at all that you've had to look yourself in the mirror and just hit that, you know, Tyree kill for three first round picks trade at all? <laughs> I have not gotten to that point. Um, luckily, um, I have looked at my teams and, you know, kind of just accepted the fact that, okay, maybe this isn't my year, but, you know, looking down the road, I have higher hopes. Like Nick Chubb is a great example of that where, okay, you know, I thought I had a potential top eight running back right here. And then Kareem Hunt kind of blows that up. But, you know, with the hope that Kareem Hunt leaves next year and then Nick Chubb can take over as the workhorse again, I'm like, okay, maybe I should just sit back and play the waiting game and then I can have that top eight running back again. Situations like that kind of give you hope. Uh, But, yeah, that's sort of the most – relatable experience okay so uh, here is the second side of that i am i mean i had a rebuilding team that i was currently rebuilding but beginning of this year it was in the middle and i had nick chubb on my team and two weeks ago i looked myself in the mirror and i was like all right today's the day that i'm in rebuild i made four trades that day rebuilt my team completely a lot better for the future one of those trades is i was trading away nick chubb i felt like it was a slight undersell but I sold them for Cam Akers and a high 2021 first. Um, I felt comfortable doing that. I felt like, okay, maybe there's a chance I can get Travis Etienne or, you know, or uh, one of the high-end quarterbacks next Cuba year. Hubbard or something. Yeah, and, um, yeah, 
you know, Hubbard as well, or maybe even one of their wide receivers with Chase, I think there's a chance that I could maybe Cam Akers has a chance to become a RB2 this year, um, fill a little bit of that Todd Gurley role. That's what kind of I said, all right, Nick Chubb, with what Robert said, he's not going to do overly extremely well in 2020 with cream hunt there but in 2021 there's a chance but with another year added on to his body he's going to be i think like 25 26 then yeah. so i mean at that point he's somewhat of a sell high um and not really helping my rebuild at all so that's kind of my perspective on that is blair like i said you were i think you finished the uh, year than the league that we shared together with 12 and two record or 11 and two record something like that so it was one know. with it was one with two games a week so it was something i think it was ah, uh don't have a game started on yeah that. yeah i, I think it, yeah, it was a good year though it was, almost went undefeated yeah it was uh yeah exactly it was a 22 and four year it was pretty good and it, it was so backwards i don't know just i had, it did better with the uh, mid-round pick so i haven't uh i haven't really had to do the rebuilding thing too much and i do think that sometimes you don't want to give up just because you're not the best team in the league. Because at at the end of the day, the team that you ended up playing in the finals wasn't me. It was someone who just had a better week in the semifinals than I did. A guy who I thought that maybe had a better team then. But at the end of the day, fantasy football, you you win win championships by getting hot and – you know, in, in redraft, making the right waiver pickups for those three weeks. So in Dynasty, yeah. there isn't that. Sometimes it's even just a bit out of your control. All you can do is play your best guys. And if you're in the mix, if you're going to be in the playoffs, I don't necessarily see the reason to sell off your team because you're going to be 500 if you think that once the bye weeks are done, because a lot of the time that's the, the the biggest factor in who has the top record in the league and uh, and and the mediocre teams is the depth that you have on your bench to get you through the bye weeks. Well, sometimes, even though it's great to have depth, that advantage kind of gets minimized in the playoffs. It's more about whose best players go off. Yeah, And and so I'd, uh, that's where I'd caution. If you are going to blow it up, absolutely. There's no sense being uh, one foot in, one foot out. But I'd caution against, you know, if you have just an above average team, I don't think you necessarily need to start blowing it all up for picks just because you don't think you have the best chance to win. At the end of the day, get in there, try and win this year, and then uh, figure it out in the offseason. You know, if things really turned out as poorly as you did, your draft picks to trade away are going to be worth even more if you want to add talent to your team. And there's going to be people that have a lot of picks that are going to be, you're going to find a match if, if you're ever looking to rebuild. Someone's always willing to overpay because they think they have the best team that year. Yeah. So and, that's what, yeah. and like, that's what I was about to say. I like that you made the point of it's not who has the best depth. Sometimes it's about who has the best players. And that's why we wanted to highlight at the beginning of this episode, the fantasy heroes that you could have, whether or not that's, Derrick Henry against these cake matchups or Devontae Adams against these cake matchups or Lamar Jackson scoring 40 points for you in the fantasy playoffs when it matters most. We want yeah. to highlight just the players that you should be targeting uh, if you have any interest at all in winning money or winning fantasy belts, rings, yeah. championships. Um, I have but, a interest in that. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, the, the modern-day fantasy football fan has a few interests in what we just said. Oh, 100%. Like, Trey, if uh, if I could, I think sometimes that, that to be Dynasty, it's about winning championships, whereas sometimes the people that play Dynasty, we love following rookies, young players so much that sometimes <laughs> we it, everyone gets that it, it takes it too far, where at the end of the day, it's about winning this year 
And if you can't win this year, what do I have to do to win next year? Sometimes yeah. that's rebuilding quick, but at the end of the day, it's all about how, how can I get the best team that I can have for the playoffs this year? And, Which, and to me, that's a, that's, that's what it's all about. Which that's why it's disrespectful that veterans are, their value is what they have. Alshon Jeffrey yeah. is being disrespected. Derrick Henry, to a sense, is being dramatically disrespected. I tried yeah. shopping him into one of my leagues, and somebody said, man, I wouldn't even draft him if it was in the fifth round in a startup. I'm like, dude, what are you saying? Like, come yeah. on. You know for a fact that Derrick Henry is going to be bringing you fantasy championships every year. That's just what he does. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I mean, that's kind of interesting. Jake, I know that we are in a couple leagues in together, so uh, no offense, you are rebuilding in one of the leagues. Was it kind of hard to uh, hit that reset button? No offense. Hey, I mean, I was I was the one who, you know, kind of – mine and his trade is the one who kind of sent him in the reboot. Are we talking about the Pat Mahomes one? Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I kind of looked at it like – so here's kind of what the situation that happened. I just imagine a team that had Philip Lindsay and Kerryon Johnson and Marlon Mack before the draft <laughs> and before the trade. Yeah, I was yeah. sitting high, right yeah. high. My team was looking good. Oh, and then Melvin Gordon to the Broncos, and then you know Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy, Clear, Jonathan Taylor, and now I'm just yeah. Like, okay, I, not I much can't. you can do there. Yeah, I, I have a bunch of maybe you know get some good minutes in here and there, maybe start the season off, but they're not going to be the guys that's going to be relied on in the end. So I, I ended up packaging up Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, and a bunch of firsts, a couple of, a couple of future firsts, unfortunately, even though that's kind of uh, the opposite of rebuilding. But I got Pat Mahomes, and I was able to get some seconds back. And yep. with the seconds, I got Jerry Judy. I got a... Uh, I got some running back too. I think I got Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah, yeah, you got so Keyshawn like, Vaughn. My team's looking like I'll definitely be middle of the pack for this year. I might try to make more <laughs> trades at some point in time, but I mean, I I definitely feel like I solidified my quarterback for the future because Mahomes should have at least 10, 15 more years in it. So I mean, even three years of just absolute dominance, I'll be fine. And then with some of my rookie picks, if they step up, I can trade them later on if I want to for more seasoned veterans. And who knows, in a couple of years, I might be back in the, the mix of things. I say I just did my favorite uh, rebuild trade today, actually, or yesterday. And I don't even know how I felt about it. Uh, you're actually in that league, Jake. It was my Kyler Murray trade. Um, I traded Clyde Edwards Hilaire and uh, Jalen Rager in a Superflex league uh, for Kyler Murray and Golden Tate. So I don't know how I felt about that. Um, I have Kyler Murray above Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, so I felt comfortable doing that. Um, but I had Kyler Murray enough ahead of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to take that bump down between Jalen Rager and Golden Tate, I felt like. But it's still going to be interesting to see which side would have helped my rebuild more. But I like, me personally, I like having my quarterbacks to build around and just figuring everything mm -hmm. else out. Yeah. But um, that is going to be the end of the episode. Uh, so at the end of every episode, we like to uh, tell the viewers what we have going on. Uh, me personally, I have an article coming out whether or not you should, I believe you guys should read it. It's going over second and third round rookie draft steals. There's a lot of rookie drafts going on currently. And I know that there's a lot of people who sold their first round picks um, to go for the championships, but they do still got their second and thirds. They need to fill out their rosters. So I'm going to do an article that allows you guys to kind of which players I think you guys should target um, and to have the highest dividends. And 
Um, it's going to be a pretty interesting read. I've had f fun uh, writing it up so far, but um, that's just what I'm my week's going to be playing about. So it's going to be pretty fun. Uh, now, Robert, is there anything that you have up in the works right now? I know that uh, there's a lot of things going on right now in the Atlanta Falcons world. So <laughs> you don't got to tell me, man. Um, I don't have much necessarily on the mind. I've been kind of brainstorming some different ideas for articles. I haven't necessarily uh, come down with something yet. Um, if anyone has any ideas, anything they'd like to hear on, you can always tweet me, send me a DM at FantasyForceFB. Um, if not, I'll, you know, I'll probably find something along the way, come out with something within the next week or so. Um, yeah, not much beyond that. I just wanted to make a quick point to kind of counterbalance your um, building around quarterbacks point for your super flex leagues where uh, I'm kind of a different uh, mindset on that where I think quarterbacks do val are valuable, but I don't think that you necessarily have to, you know, go out and try and get the biggest and best ones like Kyler Murray, like Dak Prescott, like, uh, Tom Brady is someone that I'm starting to love more and more this year. Yeah, and yeah. you could probably buy Tom Brady for pennies on the dollar right now because people are like, oh, 42 years old. Yeah. And, you know, he'll probably still be playing when he's 46. So, you know, it's Tom Brady. Um, Drew Brees, he'll give you another great year. There's these great, you know, older quarterbacks where, like Matt Ryan, I think, is in most startups is going 60 to 70 range. Um, Daniel Crazy. Jones, another guy I'm seeing fall for some reason, despite, you know, a great rookie season, only 22 years old. I think there's a lot of value that can be had later on in drafts, uh, later on in just, you know, people that are sort of being slept on that I don't think, you know, personally, like, I think it's, it's those rookies, the, uh, not the rookie running, but, well, kind of the running backs because rookie running backs are the hype anymore but uh you know those big time running backs and um you know the depth pieces at wide receiver are really going to be the ones to carry you and then you could piece together together at quarterback with some of the older players too yeah, a hundred percent, man. That's an awesome point. Is you can one hundred percent win a dynasty league right away from the startup with late round QB strategy, probably better than anything out there. I mean, you, wow. I don't know, you said with how late people are valuing, you know, <laughs> Derrick Henry, you could come out of a draft with, you know, Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry, right? If you had first overall pick, and then still be able to pick another running back, and yeah, and come out with five startable receivers right yeah a hundred percent it it's all about uh about kind of picking your style from uh, sometimes your pick dictates what kind of team you yeah. have to build i think as well yeah. right yeah so it, it all depends but yeah man i i agree with that a hundred percent that your best chance of winning right away is with the the later round quarterbacks as opposed to investing high in an elite one for sure I would say, Blair, you uh, actually just wrote about one of the elite running backs. Uh, do you want to tell them about your Jonathan Taylor article and about where they can yeah. find that? Yeah, I was going to do a top uh, a, a top five rookie running backs piece uh, on the on the website. Um, yeah, FFB uh, forecast. FFBforecast.com. Uh, I was going to do Clyde Edwards-Hilaire next. And... Yeah, I guess I'll I'll work my way through, but everyone knows there's kind of the uh, this year especially a big five running back, so I'm gonna uh, 
going to get to each of those guys and check it out if you uh, if you want to if you want to get a good idea of where to pick these guys in redraft and in dynasty uh, check it out i was about to say that's what i really liked about your article is Yes, we are a dynasty-centric podcast website, but you also told them about the redraft because it is kind of refreshing to see because us dynasty players, we love to project, but the redraft in us says, hey, you need to focus on just this season. And you kind of enlightened us, said, hey, you know, Jonathan Taylor is going to be a better dynasty running back than possibly our redraft one because we need to hamper our expectations year one just because Marlon Mack is there. And I think yep. that's pretty uh, pretty smart for you to say because I know a lot of people, me especially, had him as RB1. I did recently just have Clyde, Ed- Clyde Edwards-Hilaire over him. Um, so there was that. But Jake, uh, you just came out with a Tyrod Taylor article last week. That was mm-hmm. a big hit. Um, a lot of people were saying, yes, we need to scoop him up as a late-round quarterback, especially if we do have Justin Herbert. Yeah. Um, so um, that was a pretty smart article. Is there any other that you have brewing or any other plans you have? Um, because there are a lot of people out there who said, yes, that Tyrod Taylor article, we need more. Oh, yeah. So I kind of have been brainstorming. I know I'm going to get my rookie rankings actually finally updated since the rookie draft. I haven't gotten around to that. So I'll, I'll get those knocked out, get my top 12 out there. I'm also going to start working on uh, like a winners and losers of the offseason uh, from each division and each conference. Just kind of talk about what team I believe just from looking in the offseason and even what players kind of that helps uh, from each division. So like if we're talking about the AFC West, I could say like the Broncos could win and the Chargers could lose and just kind of so on and so forth. I kept our teams out of it, so I didn't get to... The Raiders were a clear winner, man. Clear. Not even any doubt in my mind that we even lost at any part of this whole offseason. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to get them out there. I'm still trying to work with how I'm going to do it. If I want to do each division as each uh, um, article, or do I want to kind of lump all of like the AFC into one and the NFC into the other? I'm I'm still kind of tinkering with it, but I'm going to be getting something out this week that will be a hopefully a piece of art that everyone will kind of enjoy to read. Yes. And I wanted to say this at the beginning of the episode, um, but I'll just say it now. We do have a dynasty league that is starting as a dynasty listener league. Uh, The link is out there on our Twitter page, FF underscore forecast. I will be making it our pinned tweet after this episode. Um, So make sure you go look at our Twitter page uh, on how to enter. Um, We are going to have a deadline. Uh, We are wanting to have our startup draft uh, within the next couple of weeks. So make sure to enter in our contest and we could uh, filter out uh, and randomize and figure out a way of who we're going to select. But it's going to be lots of fun. There is an entry fee. We got some money in. We're possibly going to do something for the winner, whether or not it's like a forecaster belt or ring or uh, we're going to bring it on the podcast something. We're going to do something for the winner. Um, Bring it on, people. (laughs) Bring it on. Um, I played in the league with Blair last year. he was cake. I, I mean, I beat him both times. You know <laughs> Just kidding. Blair, Blair beat me. I don't want to start on that. Jake, don't even get me started on Jake. Robert, I don't know. I'm surprised I'm not even in a league with you. We need to get in a league, whether or not that is this listener league that's going to be happening, or um, a separate league. We need to be in a league together. Yeah, um, definitely. I'm always to open to find more startups. I would say um, I'm, I'm currently at 20 plus, so I need, oh. I, I need help. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, yes, uh, that's that's the end of the episode. We wanted to thank you guys for listening. Uh, is there anything else you guys would like to say? Um, our Twitter handles are on the screen. Uh, you could follow me at FF Superflex Crew on Twitter. Uh, the podcast Twitter's FF underscore forecast website ffbforecast.com our rankings articles uh whether or not that's superflex rankings i mean jake have our rookie uh rankings up right now as well um so make sure you guys check that out um blair robert jake is there anything you guys want to say before we go all good uh make sure that you go pick up my boy henry ruggs the third he is going to surprise a lot of people um, it's going to be interesting. I think that he could be the next Tyree Kill, right, Jake? Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, well, we wanted to thank you guys for listening to our Dynasty Differences episode. Uh, it was pretty exciting to see where we all have them. Make sure you guys go check out our Superflex rankings on our website, ffbforecast.com. Our consensus rankings are done. They're updated. They're there. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll see you guys next weekend. Happy Mother's Day. Yep. Happy Mother's Day.